Uh, let's see here. Okay. The whole idea for this show came from three different parts from three different people. For me, this was born out of some ill-founded desire to believe that destiny was converging. You see, my name is Seth Kendall. I love bikes. I'm in my 30s. I have a small family and I hail from the Pacific Northwest. One last detail that helps tie this story together is that one of my all-time favorite writers and inspirations for my personal writing goals is Jeff Kendall Weed. There, do you see it? Yeah, that's right. We both have Kendall in our names, but that's not where the similarities end. Jeff is spelled with four letters. He lives in the Pacific Northwest and uh, he has a small family as well. His wife works in a similar career to my wife, and he has a totally rad kid. So it sounds like we have a lot in common, but beyond that, we even drive camper vans that are both super rad. So we're pretty much twins. And although if we are twins, Jeff definitely got the I can manual for days jeans, and I got the I can manual for less than 20 feet jeans. But luckily for me, Jeff wanted to do this podcast thing just as much as I did. So we're super excited to bring this to you. And this is going to be a podcast focused fully on things all about bikes. And my coworker who helped bring this together, uh, Ivan, is going to make sure that we sound good and do this right. So, Jeff, take it away. Welcome to Kendall vs. Kendall, where we take a spin through the world of bikes, looking at the good, the bad, the weird, and everything in between. We do this from our differing perspectives coming from opposite sides of the bike industry. I'm Jeff Kendallweed, and I'm your co-host for this show. Many of you may know me from various videos that I've done, but we wanted to go beyond that and give you some deeper insights into who we are, what our backgrounds are, and why our opinions matter at all. So let's jump into a little Q&A. All right, Jeff. Well, let's start with you. To give our listeners a, a little bit better understanding, we're going to go through a few questions and just have you answer them and give some background on who you are. So, who are you and what do you do? Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, I, uh, <laughs> today, Jeff Kennelweed's a little bit different than the Jeff Kennelweed from even six months ago. Um, I've got 10 years experience working supplier side in the bike industry. So I worked at uh, Lazine for a blink and a wink and then at Ibis Cycles inside sales for seven years. And then at WTB, Wilderness Trail Bikes, I managed international sales there for three years. And I actually left those official desk jobs as of last December. And today I am splitting my time up between being a very available father and husband and also being a full-time mountain bike content creator. And I didn't even know what the term content creator meant until just a few months ago. But basically, these riding videos have been growing a bunch, and I've been figuring out a way to essentially turn these into kind of a part-time income. So content creator means someone who makes entertainment for the internet, more or less. And yeah, I'm basically making bike videos as my income now, as my profession. I live in Bellingham, Washington. And my passions are definitely mountain biking, but beyond that, of course, hanging out with a family. But I have a lot of fun riding my dirt bike. It's great cross training. I absolutely love doing yoga. I try to hit a yoga studio at least once a week. I love trail running. I try to get out trail running once or twice a week. I prefer to trail run in the pouring rain versus riding my bike in the pouring rain. So there's that. And I'm in the gym usually two days a week at least. Sometimes I'll do a combo yoga gym session. So yeah, 
I'm definitely a pretty active individual. Right on. Maybe my uh, manual skills would get better if I was doing more yoga because I, I am fully inflexible. So. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. After two broken pelvises, yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I try to stick, do as much yoga as I can to stay limber. Very cool. So uh, let's get some history on you and bikes, um, not so much as a profession, but as something you did for fun. So, you know, when did you start riding bikes? Uh, great question. So I really started riding bikes, same age as everyone else from my generation. When I was like five years old, I actually rode a motorcycle before I ever rode a bicycle. And I was like four years old riding that first little moto. And I loved it. And I think a lot of my bike riding ambitions when I was a little kid, like five to nine, 10 years old, was just wanting to be a dirt biker, just wanting to ride a dirt bike, but not having access to one. So going for it with the bicycle. And when I was in middle school, no, elementary school, like right around fifth grade or so, I really wanted a dirt bike as always. Couldn't get one, but my parents caved and got me a BMX bike. So ever from a young age, uh, I started racing BMX right around then and raced BMX all through middle school and such. Got into mountain biking for training and then I proceeded to only ride mountain bikes in the pouring rain. Go figure. But when you're a kid, you don't worry about it. Basically, the dirt jumps are too wet when it's raining to ever be jumped. So you can totally, in Santa Cruz, still mountain bike in the rain. So I mountain biked a ton in the rain all through high school and then through college, rode both BMX and mountain bikes, got way more into mountain bike racing in college. And I graduated in 2008. Never since I've been primarily enduro downhill guy. So yeah, I've been riding a long time and through a few different disciplines. Interesting. So I actually creeped your Instagram profile a while back. Uh, just going through some comments and learned something that surprised me and I think might surprise uh, our listeners who have seen some of your videos. And that was that uh, while you dabbled in trials, you actually claimed that you were pretty bad at it. Uh, oh, I was terrible. I didn't have the patience <laughs> or the attention <laughs> to sit down and just hop around for an hour. I did a few trials competitions when I was real young, like 12 or 13. And Man, like riding BMX, more freestyle street stuff where you can go as fast as you want and the faster you go, the better over to competing in trials where you just can't put your foot down and you've got to be so patient to ride this stupid stuff so slowly. I couldn't handle it. I wanted to just go fast through it and if a foot came off but it looked sweet, I was like, yeah, whatever. But that's not a good way to do well in a competition and yeah, so I was not, I only had, I lasted about a year with trials and it was fun and built, you know, there's a lot of good fundamentals you need to learn with that. But BMX was so similar, but with that added element of motion. And I love that. I actually bought my first trials bike. It's sitting right behind me. It showed up here at the house about a year ago. So I've got one year experience now as an adult with my own trials bike. Back then I just used mountain bikes for hopping around or whatnot. So yeah, I'm hoping to get back into trials more properly as I <laughs> get into my middle-aged <laughs> side enough. of life. Yeah, yeah. the the speed can can be deleterious at times, so maybe slowing down isn't a bad thing at moments, right? I so. don't know. <laughs> I like going fast now. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. So, well, very cool. Yeah, that was a, a little surprising to me just because, you know, seeing your style, you definitely have a lot of skill with uh, being on, a, you know, one wheel and nose manuals and things like that that bring a lot of unique style 
to trail riding. And so uh, we see this a lot with other riders like Danny McCaskill and Chris Ackrick, who are coming actually from the trial side. So it's it was surprising to me to see that it was actually probably less of an influence than, say, BMX. Yeah, I just actually met Danny for the first time last Friday at Sea Otter. And we had to do this interview thing for Pink Bike. And it was bizarre because I don't actually know that much about Drop and Roll Tour or really the European side of like of trials or whatnot. But I asked him if his influences are more trials or BMX. And he's like, oh, 99% trials. And that totally like our, our backgrounds are so different. And folks mention each other like they'll always say like, oh, you're the Danny McCaskill of mountain bikes. And that's amazing to hear, but like, it's funny because our backgrounds are so different and our inspirations were so totally different. So hopefully one day I can get together and ride with the guy. That'd be way cool. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Uh, so related, uh, what bike skill do you think is most crucial, uh, to people improving their riding style? Oh man. Uh, to improving their style or to improving their ride experience? (laughs) Oh, uh, yes. Let's answer both. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't think people should really worry about having a style or whatever, because that immediately will take the fun out of something. You just got to be yourself and ride the way you end up riding. That's the only way to do anything. If you're trying to do something, trying really hard to be something you're not or whatever, that never works out so well. So I don't know. My I notice when I'm trying to do something that's not really me, it's just it's a massive flop. But if I do something that's very close to who I am, then it it works out way better. So I'd say just being confident on your bike is the most important thing. And to get that confidence, you got to know how to use your brakes you got to know kind of where the limits are. So you got to do some drills to kind of know where your balance ends and kind of what you can do safely and what's going to push your limits so that you have like a little mental toolbox of what, what's safe, what's kind of safe and what's pushing it and when you can kind of pull from each little segment. So I'd say just simple skills drills of learning the braking points and how to apply your brakes too much, too little, all that, and how to corner correctly. Cause once you know how to use your brakes and corner, then you can get away with a ton more on the trail. I guess jumping's pretty important too, but I always take it for granted that everyone can jump because I came from this BMX world where like I was just a regular dude on a BMX bike, same skill level as anyone else. So yeah, I guess it'd be really good to know how to jump too, but that depends on the trails you're riding as well. Here in the Northwest, our trails are super jumpy. Our dirt's real easy to work with and there's jumps everywhere. So that, that, you know, plays a big part in it too. If you're out somewhere that doesn't have jumps on every third corner, then Maybe that's not such a big deal. So that's kind of a, a more of a regional thing. But yeah, I'd say the skills drills are are essential to getting ahead. Nice. Uh, related, is there a skill that you currently are working on or that you feel that you need to improve to take your writing to that next level? Oh, man, so many, which is kind of why I bought that trials bike. I'd love to learn more of the trials reverse nose wheelies. I'd love to learn... Man, I'm going to keep a couple of things secret here and not talk about them. But <laughs> yeah, I, every year I, I, on New Year's Eve, I'm like, this is the year I'm going to learn how to 360 really well and get it on lockdown and 360 off drops and 360 in and out of manuals. And then I always start practicing and remember when I saw a guy spiral fracture his tib fib trying to 360 a big double back in the day. And I always freak out. I'm like, I'm too old to break my leg. So yeah, at some point I'll learn 360s better. I can kind of do them, but I don't like getting backwards and losing sight of my trajectory or whatever. So yeah, I think spinning in the air and blind stunts will both need to be the the next frontier eventually. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the same for me. 360s. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I actually this summer 
was messing around on my BMX bike, and we'll get into that probably down down the line here. But uh, I was actually working on doing like flatland bunny hop 360s and was getting close to landing them, but nice. it, it was not translating to the mountain bike at all. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. Well, uh, I think, you know, we've started to delve pretty heavily into, into you. Um, and we'll do that more as this series continues. Uh, but I think I have just one last question with you. Uh, do you also believe this was your manifest destiny to join forces with me to create <laughs> Kendall versus Kendall weed? <laughs> Of course, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Awesome. We'll run it. We'll see how it goes. And I think it can be a really fun podcast. And, you know, obviously we're both beginning at this too. So I think our podcast skills will improve as we continue with this. And I'm really looking forward to, you know, to getting some more experience and learning more about not only uh, your story and Jensen's story, but what makes a good podcast and getting some feedback from the listeners too. So I encourage everyone who's listening to either drop a comment if that's possible on the podcast platform or to simply drop us some emails and let us know if you have some questions. I would definitely love to see some comments either on my Instagram, my Facebook, or my YouTube channel. And my email address is real easy, jeffkendallweed at gmail. So if you have any questions or ideas for the podcast, please go ahead and shoot those over. We'd love to incorporate those. Yeah, and you can uh, easily reach me through several different channels. You can check me out uh, doing some of the content for Jensen USA's Instagram, which is an easy way to reach me. Uh, you can also contact me via my email, which is just S for Seth, uh, Kendall, just like Kendall Weed, but with the, without the weed, uh, at JensenUSA.com. You can also check me out on my personal Instagram at Seth D. Kendall, and you can check out the van build that I'm working on there uh, and maybe catch some adventure stuff as my family gets close to moving back from the Midwest uh, out to the West Coast to get kind of closer to my original hometown. So pretty excited about we that. We definitely need to have a van podcast on mountain bike build outs. And I've got a, a good buddy here from Freedom Vans who builds out vans for a living. And we can have him on as well and chat about what works and doesn't work for mountain bikers. That'll be a good one. I love it. Yeah, we've uh, started to chase some of that content stuff uh, in various places, just showing uh, what you can do. I actually have an Instagram post today showing a, a work stand that I installed on the back doors of my van. So kind of cool. Well, Seth, let me, um, this has been a lot of me talking. So let me ask you a few questions and let's find out who is Seth Kendall. Seth, who are you and what do you do? Yeah. Well, so my name's Seth Kendall. I worked for Jensen USA for a whole bunch of years now worked in a lot of capacities at Jensen, everything from typical retail guy working at our local shop in Riverside. Uh, originally, it was out in Ontario, but moved to Riverside, uh, opened up the service center and mechanic stuff uh, for Jensen USA when we moved to our larger location in Riverside by Sycamore. And then um, my wife is a physician and was doing residency and got us moved out to the Midwest. And during that time, I uh, wanted to stay with Jensen. And luckily, they worked it out so that I could work through the marketing department remotely. And I've been doing that for a bunch of years here. Currently living in Illinois. And, uh, you know, it's been a big learning experience for me. Uh, I've been a West Coast kid my entire life, uh, born in Hawaii, raised there for the first uh, chunk of my life, then moved to Oregon there for uh, grade school and high school and a little bit of college and then Southern California for college and 
coming to the Midwest was, it was a change for sure. But um, we're actually at the end of our four years of residency and headed back to Oregon. And um, it actually has been a pretty awesome time out here. It helped uh, grow our local mountain bike community and build some rad trails. And uh, I think one of the biggest surprises for me um, is as a West Coast person, learning that the Midwest has really legit mountain biking. And <laughs> that was something that shocked me. Um, it's very different from what we experience on the West Coast, but you are pinned all the time. Your legs burn from these sprints through every single thing. And there is absolute hero dirt out here. And trees are tighter than you would expect. So it was nice. all stuff that took me by surprise, but has definitely helped to improve my riding. So um, beyond what I do at Jensen and, um, you know, the fact that I love bikes, um, my passions are most definitely my family. I've got a almost three-year-old little boy, a uh, little boy Danger. That is actually his middle name is Danger. Um, <laughs> and I've got a super rad wife and, you know, we just kind of have this small little family, but I love that. I love camping. My biggest passion until I moved to the Midwest was surfing, actually, uh, even greater than mountain biking. But, uh, it, you know, there's not much to surf out here. And everyone says surf the Great Lakes. <laughs> and I have to remind them that I was from Hawaii originally and I can't handle water that cold. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you know, I love just being outdoors and hiking and doing those kind of things. Um, so real quick, let, let's narrow it down to it. Seth, who is Seth Kendall today? Yeah, so Seth Kendall today is honestly a lot like you in that I'm trying to spend uh, more of my time focused on my family and being a super available dad. Uh, I do have the blessing of working remote from, uh, for Jensen, and so I get to see my kid a lot. And we just spend a lot of time. And yeah, so, you know, marketer and full-time dad and just stoked on getting outdoors with my family and creating adventure in our life. Now, I'm sure your job title is more than simply marketing at Jensen USA. What is your job? Ah, yes. Uh, so um, customer content manager is the official title, but pretty much what that means is I do a lot of customer focused stuff where uh, I look at reviews and make sure I'm creating content that's interesting for customers, including things like this podcast style content, written content for our journals and blogs and social media stuff, as well as listening to what our customers have to say, whether it be good experiences or bad, and trying to find ways to make Jensen uh, a more efficient and better place for our customers to shop. And so if ever you have any challenges with us, uh, definitely let us know because we are listening. I am listening for sure and definitely want to make your experience more awesome every day. Now, Seth, when did you start riding bikes? I started um, actually fairly late. I grew up in Hawaii, and while I rode around on bikes, I mainly rode around on people's handlebars and actually broke my leg several times doing that by getting my leg caught in the spokes. But that didn't you deter me. You broke your leg more than once while riding on handlebars? Yes. Uh, they, <laughs> How many times? <laughs> uh, it was at least twice, if not three times. I have a lot of breaks, and so they start blurring together. But it was basically my foot swinging into the spokes and then getting caught. And yeah, apparently was accident prone. Um, <laughs> Thank God they didn't have mag wheels on those cruisers. Right? Yeah. So, 
Um, yeah, I grew up riding bikes, but primarily skateboarding and surfing as a little kid in Hawaii. And then when we moved to Oregon, when I was in, I must have been fifth grade, uh, I had a set of trails that are actually still there today in Gresham, Oregon, uh, that my buddies and I went to school right next to. So after school, we'd grab our, I think I had a Costco Skycomish bike that I would take up to these trails and we'd just rip around the trails and no suspension, full hardtail, steel, yellow with like paint splatter on the frame. Was and it a Motive branded bike? Very possible. Yeah. My something. first legit mountain bike was a Costco Motive. It was like a turquoise-ish green, but it had Shimano yeah. LX parts on it. So I bought it. It was like 300 bucks, suspension fork and everything. Yeah. Oh, wow. And my dad has ridden it across Europe. I don't know how many times since then. The thing's a death trap now, but it's still rideable for as a loner bike in my parents' house. That's funny. I love to hear that it's still going. That's (laughs) awesome. Mine has definitely been given away at some point in its history. But that's actually where I started um, doing my mechanic skills. I couldn't afford to have a shop pay to fix my stuff. So I just started twisting screws and pulling on cables and generally making things worse until one day I figured out what the pattern was. So... Nice. So how long have you been in the bike industry? Nearing 10 years, um, but I've been doing private mechanic work uh, on and off since I was a young teenager. Um, Basically, that was just to help me pay to ride. You know, I needed to buy parts for my bikes and do those kind of things. And so I kind of just would do these private little mechanic work stuff for my buddies. And that actually escalated later on in life to where I was painting frames and um, doing custom builds and stuff for people. And it was kind of a fun little thing. And oddly enough, it's kind of how I ended up at Jensen because I was buying parts and they asked if I wanted a job. So I said, yes, I do. (laughs) So how did you get from bike mechanic to marketing? I had been creating content with our videographer at the time uh, to create our Ask a Wrench series because I was wrenching on bikes um, pretty consistently. And so we had customers asking questions and we thought, hey, we can answer these. And uh, it kind of went from creating those to when I finally needed to move. Um, One of our uh, directors said, hey, man, like, you're pretty good at this content creation stuff. Like, you're interested in chasing that down? And I said, yeah, let's do that. So um, it's kind of funny, no true formal training in marketing, but definitely have kind of always had a draw towards creating content for other things. Seth, did you know that this is what you always wanted to do? You know, oddly enough, no. Um, I actually was a biology major, originally intended for dentistry, and then later on uh, doing research on snakes and lizards. And that morphed because of uh, contracting a a pretty serious disease uh, on a research trip and kind of ended the the research stuff that I could do. So I went into teaching and unfortunately uh, I went into teaching at the same time that we had our big downturn in economy. So I had, you know, just a short stint in teaching, which I loved, but uh, kind of fell back onto the bike thing. And what's funny about it is while this was not my intent, uh, it has been absolutely awesome. I love working in the bike industry (laughs) and I could not have planned out a better career path for me. It's been absolutely great. 
On a scale of one to five, how would you rate your mechanic skills? Oh, man. Uh, you know, it's been a few years since I've done it. It's consistently every day, so I'm sure it's dropping down. But at one point, I would I would say I was really strong. I was a five for sure. But, uh, you know, at this point, I, I do a little less of it. So I have to refer to the manuals on how many cc's of oil to put in a fox fork these days, uh, whereas before it was all just rope memory. So let's say probably a four. Okay. And what bike-related skills do you most want to improve? Oh, man. So 2018's goal is manuals. Um, I've been trying to work on those. That was actually 2017's goal, and I got better. But nice. it is it is not great. Um, but one of the things that I've done is, as an old man, I'm in my mid to late 30s now, I have taken up BMX in the last few years and just hit the local skate park that's just around the corner from my house and... Um, you know, been playing around on a 20 incher, which is so foreign to me, but it has helped my skills on a mountain bike so much. And so Do you have your knee pads on outside your jeans and elbow pads and a full face. <laughs> you know, I don't, I probably should. I usually just show up with my skate lid and that's it. But there have been a oh, few man. wrecks that have left me, uh, off the bike for a little while. So, yeah. Yeah. Man, last time I rode a BMX bike, Brian Nyquist set up the skate park next door to Ibis. And Ibis is still in the same place. It's the old Lipton T building okay. in, on the west side of Santa Cruz. And there's still tea dust all over the place. It's kind of, <laughs> it's actually kind of gross. And if you mop it out, you're mopping tea off the floor and you're making what would probably be a delicious tea drink with all the. <laughs> The mop <laughs> but Nyquist set up a whole skate park next door in this little vacant spot. And that must have been 2009, I want to say. And man, it felt so it felt so foreign back then to hop on the 20 inch. And that was really the last time I put any amount of time in it. And I actually sold my favorite BMX bike before moving up here to Washington to oh, wow. tighten the load. But man, it's such a foreign feeling. If you're used to riding slacked out, big old mountain bikes and even my trials bike which is a 26 inch wheeled inspired hex it feels so different than the bmx bike everything is so much more forgiving with the bigger wheels and the angles are so much slacker on the mountain bikes even the trials bike has slacker angles it feels like to me so yeah things happen a lot slower a lot more easy to predict so yeah, my hat's off to you for getting back on the BMX bike. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, you know, I rode BMX as a kid, but just like to get to the corner store, to the yeah. beach or whatever. And so this is all new for me. And But it, I'll tell you, it's doing wonders for my trail riding. Like, it makes cool. me way more confident on popping and, you know, working through the jumps and everything. So I don't ever plan on being a, a full-on BMX ninja. The stuff that guys are doing on BMX bikes these days is just so insane. But uh, as a skills tool, it's kind of been an amazing tool for me. And what type of riding most influences your style? Yeah, so I used to ride a lot of downhill and stuff, but um, honestly, seeing guys kind of like you and Chris Ackrig and Danny Mac taking on trail riding that's more unique has kind of been my my big focus for the last handful of years. So I'm super stoked to continue pushing that. And um, I got a local buddy here who has been helping me to work on manuals and to look at weird features in the trail in ways I would have never looked at, you know, seeing logs and thinking of, hey, what could I do while I'm riding along with that log? And so that's kind of my big inspiration right now for riding style. Cool. 
Cool. Cool. So we've, you know, done a little bit of looking at kind of each other's personal lives on an individual side. And uh, I thought we'd maybe just do a quick rapid fire of questions that we both answer and go off of this real quick. So um, let's start with this one. What kind of bikes do you ride? And this is more of a look at not necessarily what brands, but like what's what style of bikes are you on? Man, I'm riding enduro bikes primarily, but I also have a dirt jumper. I also have the trials bike. I ride my enduro bike, either my Ritmo, my HD4, Mojo 3 is like a small enduro bike, trail bike, Ripley LS. I ride those four quite a bit. Dirt jumper, I probably break out once every two weeks. I wish I could ride it every day. There's a pump track around the corner. Trials bike comes out maybe once every two months. I wish that was more, but with winter and the wetness fading out now, I think trials bike will come more into play. And I'm hoping to add a cargo bike to the quiver. What about you, Seth? What are you riding mostly? Yeah. um, If I'm picking on a daily basis, I pretty much always want to ride, like you said, an enduro or trail bike. Um, Currently, it's a Ripley LS. It's more on the trail side of things. Um, But I'm actually picking up a Ripmo myself uh, once, once that comes into stock. So that'll be my new Oregon bike. Um, but other than that, I've got, uh, a gravel adventure bike that, uh, uh, one of my favorite activities is to get out on and go zip around some trails and then chase down roadie KOMs if I can. It doesn't always happen, <laughs> but it feels like an extra sense of pride when my 43, uh, C tires allow me to still do that. And then a little bit on the BMX, uh, I actually do have a single speed, uh, titanium hardtail that... I picked up and built all custom out. I've been doing a fair bit of that here and there just because, again, it really helps to develop the skills for reading the trail. And, you know, you just have to be a little more precise with that. So it's single speed hard tails for cross country are so much fun. I've loved racing single speed hard tails for years. Like I think my best finish would have been second at Downeyville cross country right behind Evan Plews. Nice. We're both Ibis riders. Yeah, I love that stuff. But um, I wish I could find a cross country series here in Western Washington, but there's downhill, there's enduro, there's not cross country. So I actually gave my tranny to my mom and she's been riding it a ton with gears on it. So I don't have a single speed beyond the trials bike and that's not a trail bike as we know. But um, we should probably discuss our main riding influences. Seth, what have been your main riding influences? Yeah, so oddly, one of the things that I find kind of uh, more influential to my riding style is actually a sport that's not related or two sports, and that's um, snowboarding and surfing. Uh, I grew up in Hawaii and then moved to Oregon, and so it was a quick translation. I tried skiing for a short bit and realized real quick that uh, I was meant to go sideways for the most part. And uh, <laughs> you know, it's funny because I may not be the most stylish rider out there. But there is something that when it comes to corners and laying down turns that comes out in in the way I ride that is very influenced by uh, that surfing and and reading the wave and being able to like plan your car just accordingly and everything. And so for me, it's oddly enough, surfing and snowboarding, you know, sweet. Man, for me, it's definitely a lot of motocross influence, um, including like GNCC hair scramble style stuff. Uh, I love racing hair scrambles when I can. It's been a couple of years since my last one, but just that go fast, get after it, corner however you need to in order to get down the hill fast, that's been a big influence to me. When you're feeling good on a dirt bike, you can jump off of anything and you landing flat's not a big deal. You got 12.3 inches of travel, whatever. So that's a big influence for me. I definitely think of Danny McCaskill videos as an inspiration because the way he reads the world 
with two wheels. It's very different than anyone else. So that I try to pay attention to that creativity and some other influences too. My, my old buddy, Jimmy Tharp, he was a pro mountain biker for a long time. He didn't worry about taking hands off or anything. He just wanted to ride really stylishly. I thought about that a little bit whenever I want to do tricks. I'm like, you know, tricks are cool and all, but they kind of come and go with fashion and it's kind of gimmicky. And yeah, do I really have time for that? I don't know. So I would say that's been a big influence for me. Um, Seth, what's been your all-time favorite bike? Oh, man. My favorite bike, I actually think, was a Diamondback Mission. The reason this is is because it was kind of my first foray back into riding mountain bikes seriously. I had kind of gone down the path of road riding in college and um, racing triathlons and that kind of stuff. And uh, coming back to mountain biking wasn't an immediate thing. Because what I had kind of landed in is I was either riding bigger downhill type bikes or very XC bikes. And I bought this Diamondback Mission because I needed one bike to do it all. And I actually got this before joining Jensen again or for the first time. But that bike, you know, it was a 160 mil fork, no, 150 mil fork at the time. And I think it was a 140 rear travel. And it just was so capable could take on whatever you wanted to throw at it and like looking at it today the geometry is like ancient on that thing but it it was what opened up the idea of just all mountain riding for me so that was probably my favorite bike oh man i think for a lot of us favorite bike is also tied into life memories because it's kind of like why i can't throw away my old stack of bike magazine because i can totally or even ride bmx because i know what i was doing at that point in my life and it's kind of like a reminder of where i was back when when all that stuff was current but um you know i'm thinking back to all my bikes i've had and i have a whole bunch of favorite bikes for different reasons but i'm going to throw down my intense m1 is my all-time favorite bike i'd always thought full suspension mountain bikes were pointless because i'd seen a lot of not very adept riders on really sweet full suspension bikes outside of the Bay Area. And I figured like, <laughs> those are the people who rode them. And I, yeah, I was just, it boggled my mind that they'd spend that much money on a bike, but then ride it at that level. So that's, yeah. you know, I was 12, 13, 14 years old thinking this. So I, <laughs> my attitudes changed greatly with age here, but Fair enough. anyhow, I rode off full suspension bikes and then I always thought the M1s looked sweet. I was a big Sean Palmer fan. I used to watch Chainsmoke, the movie, daily. I loved that plush, the video, watch that thing daily too. And I had a chance to buy a buddy's old M1 in 2003. I went ahead and did it, put it together with loaner parts and that bike just A, it looked awesome and B, it rode freaking sweet. It was a full suspension bike, and it allowed me to go so much faster down all this rocky stuff down in San Luis Obispo, California, than my hardtails would let me do. So I had been this gnarly BMX dude, like all kinds of attitude. I don't need full suspension, but that bike really opened up my eyes to what was possible. And then I rode it like a cross-country bike and would often do 30-mile rides with just a water bottle in my back pocket, just sending it. Like when you're 19 years old, that's the kind of stuff you, (laughs) you like to do. So the M1 is definitely my favorite all-time bike for, for the life reasons, sure. But it also just plain opened my eyes. And the darn thing, it rode really well. That thing took me to a whole bunch of podiums at Norba Nationals. That thing was sweet. Yeah, so for back sure. Back ends broke off left and right. I think I went through four swing arms, but whatever. That bike was rad. Um, last question here. Why are we doing a podcast? Yeah, uh, for me, you know, this is just something I love to talk about. Like, you know, I get done with my job every day at Jensen and I end up 
calling my buddies and we talk about bikes or we go to the trail and we're riding and we talk about bikes and I just <laughs> love bikes. I love the mechanical nature. I love the style. I love the flow. You know, it's just one of those things I love. And so I definitely have passion and some pretty thorough history in this. And so just wanted to be able to share some of that with our community out there and to give some insights and maybe give people a little bit of an inside look of what happens, you know, behind the walls of Jensen or behind the website, what happens in the industry, because often, you know, it can feel like it's the industry versus the customers. And, you know, I don't think that's what needs to be. This is all about a community and everything. So I'm super excited to just give people inside views and, to answer questions people have and give them a place to uh, commune with us about cool things like bikes. Totally. Man, one of my goals with this whole new profession of mine of just doing content and videos is to be as accessible to the public as possible. And previously, there's been a huge barrier between the average dude and a pro, pro racer, pro rider or whatnot. So I thought through doing a podcast, I could be that much more accessible. And another component too, I always think about video. So I kind of struggle with even still images or a written article or, oh man, trying to do things for print. It boggles my mind because I'm so used to that motion of a video. So I'm trying to challenge myself to think outside the box and think about just what we can do with some audio. For sure. Yeah. Cool. So let's take a look at some of the upcoming topics that you can look forward to hearing about on the Kendall vs. Kendall series. In no particular order, we're going to be checking out Heroes, a look at people who shape the bike world we know, standards, an ever-moving target, and topic of much debate, Wheel Wars, a battle for supremacy, and I'm kind of curious if Seth and I have different perspectives on this one too, and Future Tech, where are we headed? Yeah, so it's super exciting. We've got, you know, a bunch of other topics. And if you guys have anything that you want to hear from us, like we said, you can reach us either through our Instagram or through email. You can always contact us through Jensen USA as well and just say, hey, I'm trying to reach Seth and you'll reach me. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely address any questions or topics that you want us to go through. And we hope you enjoyed what we've done here. And there hopefully will be a bunch more to come. All right. Thanks for listening. Right on, guys. Thanks. Cool. I think we're good. <laughs> that works for me. Cool. Cool.